Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, founder of Megan Hall Motivation. I motivate and inspire women to create their own version of a thriving life. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories and chat about topics relevant to today's modern women. Don't forget to join our virtual community on Facebook, the Inspire Women Community. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Hi, everybody. Today, I am here with the hormone diva. When Robin applied to be on the podcast and I saw that, I'm like, I'm intrigued because that's a heck of a name. Um, So Robin is the hormone diva, holistic nutritionist, and women's health and nutrition coach. Robin's own journey with polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, jump-started her passion for helping women replace their anxieties with joy to open possibilities in their lives and break free from hormonal imbalance. Robin runs a successful one-on-one coaching and online program practice where she uses diet, movement, botanicals, and a self-love lifestyle to transform the lives of women with PCOS, endometriosis, PMS, painful periods, and much more. You can find out more about her work at www.thehormonediva.com. And I'll have all of Robin's links and everything up in the show notes. You can find those in inspiredwomenpodcast.com. And Robin, I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast with me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled and super excited to dive in on some of this stuff. This is going to be so good. So I want you to share a little bit, and you said it in your bio, a little bit about like what inspired you to become the hormone diva. Like you said in your bio that you were struggling with PCOS, and I Mm. have yet to have somebody on the podcast um, that has talked about that. Could you share just a little bit about it, and then we can get into all the hormone awesomeness? Yeah, absolutely. So um, really, my nutrition started with like, as a child, just really being into food, Um, and then kind of thinking about like, what the food I was eating was doing to my body. And that eventually had me ending up in nutrition school. And that's where um, I came off birth control. And after I came off birth control, crazy things happened, a lot of weight gain, acne, hair loss, Um, my moods, which were already very temperamental got a lot worse. And so Eventually, all of this, um, it took about a year for the doctors to agree with me, but finally they did, and they diagnosed me with PCOS. Um, and, and of course, they want to give you medications, right? They want to put you back on birth control. They want to give you something called metformin, which is a drug usually used for diabetics um, because insulin issues is a big part of PCOS, but I didn't want to go that route. And once I learned how to, you know, tweak my diet and my lifestyle so that I could manage the PCOS naturally, I knew that I had to share this. And so that's kind of how the Hormone Diva was born, just really wanting to share that women with hormonal issues don't have to struggle. Having bad periods is absolutely not normal. It's typical, but it's not normal of body functioning. And and so that's how this all got started. Oh my God, I love that you just said that because since I had my twins, uh, my periods have like gotten progressively worse. And I went to see my doctor and she was just like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're super healthy. You have no problems at all. Your home hormones are great. And uh, let's try to put you on birth control. I'm like, no, I got a tubal ligation because I don't want to have babies and I don't want to be on birth control. I'm like, that makes no sense. You can't tell me what's wrong with me, but you want to like give me a random pill that's 
Mm-hmm. You want to help me? And she's like, well, a lot of women who have had multiple C-sections and, you know, and or tubal ligation struggle like you do. Um, and that's the common denominator. We really don't know what's wrong with you. And I'm like, thanks. This is great. So I'm so glad that you're on this and having this conversation because I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so it's normal the fact that I don't want to be on birth control and that I'm having like this, you know, these problems like there's there's obviously something wrong. So when it comes to that sort of thing, um, when it comes to our periods, what should our periods be like? Like, let's just have the period conversation here because I'm very much that kind of person's like open, honest, like let's talk about the things we don't want to talk about. So what should a normal period be like? Definitely. That's a great question. Um, And that can vary from woman to woman. So a lot of times, you know, in sex ed class or our doctors tell us every woman should have a 28 day cycle. We should have five to seven days of bleeding. Ovulation happens at day 14. This is bull. Um, That is not, I mean, for some women, yes, that's absolutely true. And that's fantastic. But typically, um, healthy cycles will range between like, 25 and 42 days. Um, They might have anywhere from three to seven days of bleeding, which would be considered normal. Um, And bleeding shouldn't be super heavy. So if you're someone who is changing your powder tampon every hour or two, and you're soaking through those extra super plus 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 ones and, and going through all of that, that's absolutely not normal. Um, If you have a lot of pain more than mild discomfort. So if you have pain enough to cause you to use like uh, Midol or Advil or Tylenol or any of those kind of over-the-counter drugs, this is not normal. You want to have basically a pain-free or close to pain-free period with, uh, you know, a medium level of bleeding for three to seven days. And, And as I said, for the length of the cycle, anywhere from like 25 to 42 days is is typical. Um, And really the best markers are, is your bleeding good? So the color, the amount, whatever, the the amount of pain, and the amount of time between ovulation and your next period. So it should be 10 to 16 days, anything less than that, you probably have low progesterone. So ovulation doesn't always happen on day 14, like they tell us. Um, So it varies from woman to woman. Is that a good enough explanation of of some markers to start with? Yeah, I'm like, yep, um, the pain part is like where I'm abnormal. And I'm like, that's I, I tried to tell people I'm like, I told my doctor, I'm like, this is not normal, I should not be able, I should be able to function during this time. And for like a day, I cannot function. I'm in so much pain, like I can't sleep. And I can't Yeah, totally makes a lot of sense that I'm just like, Mm. yeah, I'm just not, it's not normal. And people try to say that it's normal. And that's why I was so excited that you applied to be on the podcast because these conversations need to be had because, you know, growing up, you have the women in your lives who have struggled with their periods, have struggled with hormones, and they don't know it. So they're saying it's normal because to them it's normal, but it's really Mm -hmm. not supposed to be like that. Absolutely. So... When it comes to um, who you work with in your practice, do you work with all women or do you have a specific, like, is it specifically people with PCOS or endometriosis? Like, what would, um, if somebody's listening to the podcast and they're like, um, I need help, what, who, who are you looking to help? I'm looking to help women who feel out of control and are wishing to feel normal again and maybe even a little bit better than what their norm might be. Um, And this 
tends to be a lot of women with PCOS. I think because I have it as well, they feel like I can relate to their struggles, which is absolutely true. Um, but any kind of period type issues. So like you said, women with endometriosis, women with fibroids, women who are struggling just like you, who maybe they don't have a diagnosis per se, but they're having symptoms of really heavy periods, um, of lot, a lot of clotting, a lot of pain, not being able to function during that time, including, you know, moodiness and bloating or weight gain, any of that kind of stuff that's preventing them from feeling the way they want to be and, and, and showing up in the way that they want to in their life. Those are the women that I'm trying to help. I literally, so I um, host meetups in my area a couple times a month and I literally had to cancel my last meetup because I was in so much pain. I was just like, I can't, I can't, I can't be around people right now. Like I'm probably going to lose mm-hmm. it. Like, and that's a problem. Like if you can't function and your business can't function as normal, you know, your life can't function as normal. I told my husband, I'm like, it's not normal that I can't function as a human being for a whole day. Like, you know, that's, yeah. I'm a healthy woman. Um, So I like the fact, Robin, that you said that you share natural remedies to help with this because I feel like and, and, and I mean, medication has its own place in the world. So I'm not, not bashing medication, but I feel like a lot of times when it comes to you see your doctor, they just want to give you a pill. You know, they just want to give you a pill to help you feel better. And it's just masking the real symptoms that are underneath. So could you share with us some natural tips for balancing our hormones? Um, or even like, you know, how can we even tell that our hormones are imbalanced? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll start with the second part of your question of how to tell. So you might go to your doctor and say, I have this, this, this symptoms, you know, what's going on. A lot of times they won't do anything and they'll push a pill at you. Like you said, usually birth control, that seems to be like the quote unquote cure all for, for women these days. Um, but they might do some testing. But the thing with the testing is if they don't know your cycle and if you are not tested at the right time in your cycle, the values are going to be Um, useless pretty much and so a big part of this is going to be based on symptoms not necessarily totally on labs so if you're experiencing a lot of the symptoms that we've been mentioning and maybe some more um, then you know there's an issue regardless of what your labs say because if you get your labs done on the wrong day everything's going to look totally normal and even if you have them done on the right day some of the ranges that they give for hormones are kind of arbitrary. And so your doctor will say everything's fine if you're within range, even if you're experiencing symptoms. So this is really about advocating for yourself Mm -hmm. and knowing that these symptoms indicate issues regardless of whether or not you're in range or normal on your lab tests. Um, And of course, seek out an alternative health practitioner who can help you decipher that. Um, Someone like myself or or whoever, you know, whoever resonates with you. Um, So that's, you know, kind of a starting place and then kind of going through the symptoms. Um, But as far as like natural remedies and, and different tips to kind of get started, there's lots and lots of different things that can be done depending on what you're experiencing. But I always start with a good diet. And the very first thing that I talk about in my programs and with my private clients is blood sugar balance. And the reason that blood sugar balance even matters for your hormones is because one, it can make us a moody, crazy mess if our if our blood sugar is imbalanced. So if you've ever had that feeling of being like hangry, hungry slash angry in between meals, yeah. um, definitely an indicator of blood sugar imbalance. Also belly fat, by the way, a lot of women who come to me are struggling with that particular issue. Um, And so balancing your blood sugar, 
sugar is going to be really important so that your brain and your body and your ovaries can all communicate well and, and the blood sugar is not interfering. And so the basics of getting started with that is this. Get rid of any ideals you have about eating like a low-fat diet um, that's going to wreck your hormones. So do quite the opposite. Liberal amounts of healthy fats. They're the best for balancing insulin uh, and blood sugar. You also need a good amount of protein. Um, and don't be afraid of protein. It's not going to bulk you up like a male bodybuilder. It's just not possible. Um, <laughs> but making sure that you're getting adequate protein. So 20 to 30 grams per meal, 5 to 10 or more per snack. Really, really important for blood sugar, um, for building hormones for keeping lean muscle on your body so your metabolism's up all of these things and then of course fiber is the third part of balancing your blood sugar and the best place to get fiber is your veggies so I always recommend you know two to four cups at least of veggies in the day and for women with hormonal imbalances I really like to recommend focusing on the green and the orange vegetables specifically Wow. Yes. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, see, it's one thing. Wh what would you say would be a problem with belly fat? Like, how would we know we have a problem with belly fat? Like, for me, I'm a relatively healthy person. Like, I work out. I eat good. You know, and recently um, started eating more fats because I heard exactly what you just said is that fats are actually really good for us and are really good for our hormonal imbalance. But I've always, since um, having my my twins, my last babies, like no more babies are coming out of this this person. Um, and um, <laughs> the, that I have a hard time. I can't get rid of like very lower belly fat, like, uh, like belly button. And the, I just have this little tiny mommy bulge that I call. And I don't know if that's, you know, from hormone imbalance or if that's just because I've just expanded three times, you know, with children and, and it's just excess skin. How can you tell? Right. So there's a couple of different things, especially when it's like a post-pregnancy like you that you're kind of considering. It could be something called diastasis recti, which is basically a separation of the abdominal muscles and can cause that pooch. So you'd really need to go and see somebody about that to see if that's what's going on with you. So doctor or physio or a personal trainer would be able to, to probably tell that as well. Um, and then the other thing is stretched out skin, right? So if you've had a lot of pregnancies, if your belly expanded really fast, um, then, then your skin's going to expand and, and sometimes it just doesn't go back down. So it's kind of hanging skin. But on the other hand, if it's actually hormonally related, which it is a lot of the time for most women, um, it could be any number of things. Insulin is a big one that will put um, fat in your waistline. And if for women, I believe they, they say um, uh, 35 inches or over as a waist measurement kind of puts you at a higher risk for health issues later on. So that's a little bit of a guideline, but it really just depends on your whole body build and makeup. Um, another big hormone involved in belly fat is cortisol, which is our stress hormone. <laughs> um, and if we're chronically stressed, as we all are, right, we have very full lives. We've got kids and jobs and spouses and friends and then we try to have some time for ourselves, but that doesn't usually work out and so we get belly fat instead because we don't take time for ourselves um and and cortisol actually influences blood sugar as well so there's kind of a vicious cycle there if you if you don't get one in balance the other one's going to be out of balance as well and then you end up just getting this like crazy spare tire around your waist that makes total sense because when i'm like 
meditating and I'm, you know, taking good care of myself, that seems to be the time that I don't have as much of a bulge there. Um, and Mm -hmm. then the times that I'm, you know, stressed out, crazy nutcase and not taking care of myself, that seems, it seems to be more predominant. So, Mm -hmm. you know, mine very well might be like attached or hormones. I mean, and some excess skin. I don't think I'll ever like fully get rid of it no matter how well I go. Cause I did stretch out with like four children. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's some excess skin there. I know that, but, um, Definitely makes a lot of sense that, and for any woman that's listening, they might be struggling with that too. It seems like the belly area is a area of the woman's body that, you know, majority, not all, but majority of women struggle with that part. Like you work out, work out, work out. And everybody's always asking when I was a, a beach body coach, they're always asking me, well, what workout can I do to get rid of my belly? And I'm like, mm-hmm. it doesn't work like that. You have to, it's yeah. like a full body thing. Um, Mm -hmm. so do you do a lot with nutrition when it comes to your clients? Is that like a huge thing with, um, women like in hormones is, is their diet? Yes, absolutely. Um, one thing I like to say is you can't, uh, out exercise a bad diet. You can't out supplement a bad diet. So you can take all the amazing and expensive supplements in the world. You can work with a trainer every single day and you still won't get the results you want if you don't have a proper diet. This is key. This is number one, the first thing that women should be looking at. And if they're thinking about belly fat, the blood sugar balance is going to be huge here. Um, And you'll notice if you're eating a lot of refined carbs, not enough protein and not enough healthy sources of fats, your belly is going to get bigger. So there's a really specific way that most women need to eat if they're trying to lose weight in the waistline area. Okay. And I'm familiar with healthy fats, but some people in my audience might not be familiar with healthy fats. And of course, there is so much misdirection out there. Like um, there was recently somebody posted an article where the American Heart Association was saying like coconut oil is bad for you. And I'm like, um, that's not what I heard. So can you like let us know what some healthy fats are that people could incorporate into their diet? Definitely. And that article, by the way, made me so mad. (laughs) (laughs) I do not agree with this at all um, that they've come out with this recent finding or whatever that coconut oil is not good for your health I do not agree with that at all if you're using a really good quality organic virgin coconut oil it's solid at room temperature but it melts at body temperature um, just so you're finding the right thing um, is extremely beneficial and I've even used it myself for the purpose of weight loss so Mm -hmm. coconut oil and coconut products so like dried coconut shreds, uh, coconut butter, full fat coconut milk, like from a can, these are all really good sources. And the reason I like them for hormones specifically is because coconut oil can help to support the thyroid gland, which is the seat of our metabolism. So if you have weight issues, coconut oil is really good for this purpose. And coconut oil also has a high amount of saturated fat and you need saturated fat to create hormones. So coconut oil or products is a really good starting place for healthy fats. Um, Some other options, avocados and avocado oil, really, really good, especially for women with fertility issues. Um, Most nuts and seeds, uh, some of my favorites include hemp and chia because they're really Mm -hmm. anti-inflammatory, but also pumpkin seeds, you know, flax, poppy seeds, sunflower, sesame, all the seeds are amazing. Nuts, if you can tolerate them as well. So almonds, 
walnuts are amazing, um, pecans, cashews, you know, whatever you like, any of those kind of things, um, and olives and olive oil as well. Interestingly, since this conversation has turned into a little bit of a belly fat talk, which I think is <laughs> awesome, um, olive oil is actually really helpful for this. So oh, olive awesome. oil helps with a hormone called adiponectin, very little known hormone, but very important when it comes to fat loss and um, consuming olive oil, especially in the morning, can assist this particular hormone in helping you to release more fat during the day. Um, so olives and olive oil are also a really good source of healthy fats. And then, of course, you find fats in you know your proteins as well mm -hmm. to a certain extent. So like grass-fed beef, bison, lamb, um, seafoods, especially the oily fishes like salmon, mackerel, uh, sardines, which is going to be my lunch later today, um, any of those kind of more oily fishes, eggs as well. Don't believe the cholesterol myth. Mm -hmm. um, people avoid eggs and egg yolks. Don't avoid them unless you're allergic, of course. You need cholesterol to make steroid hormones like cortisol, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and you need to get it from your diet. So eat some eggs. Um, so those would kind of be the basic sources I would recommend. I'm pretty sure the American Heart Association were the people that told us not to eat eggs too. <laughs> they sure were. They sure were. And they're also part of the issue of spreading the, the myth of low-fat diets um, as being helpful as well. Um, so, I, yeah, they, I won't get into a rant, but they no. definitely, <laughs> I definitely have some issues with the stuff they put out there for sure. I think a lot of it when it comes to these studies and these things that are put out, we have to like really look at the source. Like who's backing these people? And a lot of times like these different... Um, these different organizations that are putting out information are backed by food companies, which, you know, mm. it taints what the information that's coming out. I'm not saying that they're straight up lying and they're like trying to be evil here, but what, they're tainted by it. Of course, the people that want to make money, you know, want you to buy their food products are gonna like, you know, spread this wealth of like, don't eat this or don't eat that because they want you to eat what they're producing, not all these other things. Um, exactly. It's like um, uh, in Canada, we have the Canada Food Guide. And I think in the US, you guys have like the My Plate or something like that yeah. where they the government recommends. And so they'll recommend something like dairy, for example, and getting a certain amount of servings and that being a really healthful food, even though many, many people are, are sensitive and can't tolerate it because they get money from the, the dairy farmers and, and those organizations. So, you know, you kind of have to um, take what you, you hear from those places with a grain of salt and really do your nutrition tailored to what works for you versus what the government is telling you is correct. Now, if somebody can tolerate dairy, what is your views on um, incorporating dairy into your diet? I think it can be helpful if you can tolerate it in certain forms. So if you're lucky enough to have legal raw milk where you live, mm -hmm. then absolutely some grass-fed raw milk um, and other products made from it, cheese, yogurt, butter, whatever, uh, is fantastic. Unfortunately, where I live, it is not legal. Um, I used to get it years ago when I worked at a health food store because I knew this girl who had a contact and we kind of yeah. did it a little bit you know, under the table. But... Um, no, so so raw dairy, if you can get it, and then alternatives to cow dairy. So some people who can't tolerate cow dairy because of high lactose, because of high levels of a protein called A1 casein, which is actually a little bit of an addictive substance, um, can tolerate 
goat and sheep dairy better. Mm -hmm. So you can always try that if you don't have raw dairy and you want to see if other forms of dairy will work for you, then try that. Um, Try some sheep's milk feta cheese, try some goat milk or goat yogurt or um, the soft goat cheese, also known as uh, Chev, Um, any of those kind of things. And I definitely use those in my diet too, not every day, um, just because that's not right for me. But those would kind of be where I would start. But any kind of traditional, non-organic, pasteurized or homogenized cow's milk dairy I would definitely try to stay away from that. Okay, that makes total sense. Yeah, I know my husband definitely has an intolerance to dairy because every time, like, he loves ice cream and every time we get ice cream, I try to keep it out of the house for the most part. But, you know, once in a while, everybody deserves a treat. So um, we'll have it in. And he every time he has it the next day, he's like, I don't feel so good. And I'm like, um, yes dude, I think you're lactose intolerant. And he's like, but there's other times I don't react. And I'm like, it's probably like a mixture of things. Like maybe we shouldn't Mm -hmm. have the ice cream. But you know, um, we are completely opposites when it comes to these kind of things. So having these conversations, I'm like, as long as you support the fact that I feed our family healthy, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what you have to eat when you don't have to eat. You're an adult. You can make that decision Mm -hmm. for yourself. Definitely. So it's, I mean, I'm, and I think probably the same things that might affect women with their hormones um, affect men as well. You know, like the, you know, the diet and everything like that. You may be messing with their hormones. And, and I know a lot of the dairy, if you're not getting like the um, hormone free dairy, uh, you're giving your kids extra hormones. And have you seen that? Like that could be affecting like the early puberty age now with girls and the different things that the different problems that young girls are having now, like you're seeing young girls that have breasts at like six, seven years old, which when I was a kid, that wasn't even a thing. Like that was like when you were a teenager and if you hit teenage years and you didn't have them, you're like, Oh, I'm missing something here, but they're getting them younger and younger. Do you have any information about that that you could share with us? Yeah, so there's a lot of factors that influence this. And not only are women's health, um, right from, you know, those young ages being affected by bad dairy, bad meats, by the fact that so many women are on birth control. And when they pee, it goes into our water system, it's not filtered out by local filtering systems. So we're getting hormones from every which way, plus, you know, man-made chemicals that act like hormones in our bodies. It's just a whole mixture of things causing this. But also beyond the girls, a lot of uh, young boys, and as they grow into men, are having lower sperm count. We're also noticing that there's um, a lot more females being born. Yeah, uh, I saw a documentary uh, maybe a year ago two ago called the disappearing male and it was be talking all about this um you know whether you buy into that or not is totally up to you um but they do present a lot of evidence showing that different things in our environment and our food supply are affecting these you know new generations of people and and how they'll be able to be fertile or not later on Yeah. And it's funny you bring that up because that's been a conversation multiple times when I've been around people lately is that disappearing male. And, you know, some of us that believe in like past lives, we have a theory about like, you know, now that you're born and, you know, if you've been a male all your past lives um, and you become a female, like how would that affect you as a person? And that's, you know, that's a little woo and some people don't believe in that. But we were having like a really good conversation about that. 
Um, and it was really eye-opening to think about it, you know, think about all these things that we say, like, that wasn't around when I was a kid, but we also have to realize, like, so much has changed, you know, since I was a kid that, of course, things are different and we're seeing new things pop up all the time because the world's different and we're seeing different things happen. And you know, like you said, there's more females born. I mean, now we're getting pretty estrogen in, in the world. So mm-hmm. um, you brought up and we've talked about a couple times on this conversation about birth control. And this is something that I struggle with because like, you know, I have a teenage daughter at some point in time, she's going to want to be sexually active. I don't want to be a grandma, you know, How do you, you know, prevent that pregnancy, that, you know, unwanted pregnancy? I mean, besides abstaining, because we know, like, you could tell your kid to abstain. It's probably not going to happen. But also not allowed to affect, because I know many of the women I know that have struggled with infertility, it has been because, or or they say, the doctor says, it's because they're on birth control so long. So where, where's that happy medium? Like, how do we not have these babies when we don't want to have babies, but, you know... Where's the where's the happy medium? Mm-hmm. So with like younger girls, teenagers who are maybe just starting to become sexually active, this is a really difficult thing because obviously birth control is easy for them, right? You swallow the thing once a day, you're good to go. You don't have to rely on the guy um, to do anything. You don't have to rely on anything else and you're fine. And that's, you know, a big draw. Um and, and there are other methods of preventing pregnancy, which I'll, I'll mention in a minute, but they're more involved. And so it's kind of like as a parent, you have to say, you know, what is my child like? How responsible are they? How willing are they to take this on um, to use non-hormonal methods of contraception? And of course, barrier methods are fantastic too, you know, um, cervical caps, uh, diaphragms, condoms, all of these things are great. Um, But as far as a method that a a woman can use that'll have the same level of accuracy if they use it properly as birth control without taking any medication at all is the fertility awareness method. Mm -hmm. There are different variations of this. Um, So one is the the Creighton model, one is the the Justice model. Um, You know, there's different variations, um, but they're all based on the same principles of fertility awareness and so basically what they say is you observe signs of fertility or infertility in your body and you chart them to know when you're fertile this is when you would abstain from sexual activity or use a barrier method and then the rest of the time you're not fertile and so you can go ahead and not worry about it when you have intercourse Um, and so they look at basal body temperature they look at um type and amount of cervical mucus and they look at sometimes also uh, cervical position as well with a finger test so there's Mm. three up to these three kind of signs that as you learn these methods you track this over your cycles and you know the few days a month when you're fertile and the rest of the time when you're not fertile and you don't have to worry about it It sounds like a lot, but once you learn the basics of this and you recognize the signs in your own body, usually it would take, you know, three cycles or so to really get a hang of this. It takes seconds out of your day to do. It's just as effective if you use it properly as as hormonal birth control. Uh, And it's just fantastic. This, when I heard about this method, 
this prompted me to come off birth control when I was in nutrition school after being on that medication for seven years. Um, and, and I've been using it ever since. And so now I can kind of time things based on my fertility or infertility in that current cycle. Um, and I don't have to worry about anything else. And I don't need to take those toxic prescription medications. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, it would depend on like your responsibility of your teenager, you know, like, do you think they'd actually pay attention to this? Or are they not going to pay attention to this? And, you know, um, having that, and why I love this conversation is having that awareness so that you can make the decisions for yourself. Um, because I think a lot of the times we make decisions and we are not even aware of what we're like, what decisions we're making. Like, you know, is this really going to help me? Is this, is this, what is this going to do to my body? How is this going to affect me? We just hear from other people like, this is something you should do. This is something you have to do. And, and we have no idea the effects it's going to take. Like, I mean, my doctor saying like, oh, you had a tubal ligation. Well, uh, 90% of the women we see that come in with a tubal ligation have this issue you have. I'm like, well, what is the disconnect here? Like, is it the tubal ligation? How is it affecting our bodies? What are they not telling us about, you know, this, you know, now you don't get to have any babies. That's great. But um, how is it affecting your body? Yeah. And these methods are super empowering because you get to learn about your body. You get to take that control. Um, And they can even tell you other things about your body you may not have realized. They can indicate thyroid imbalance. They can indicate adrenal imbalance. They can tell you if you're having chronic inflammation, if you're having like vaginal infections, if you're having food sensitivities. You can really tell a lot from these specific signs. And for women who are curious um, to know more, I just wanted to mention a couple of resources. So there's a book. Uh, a book called Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler, if I'm pronouncing her last name right, a really fantastic guide to kind of do it yourself, learn it yourself, the fertility awareness method, really fantastic. Um, another um, resource I want to point out is um, two sisters that I interned with at the very start of my career. They were called the Red Tent Sisters. Um <gasps> Amy and Kim Sedgwick, um, and they they promote the Justice method, which is one form of of fertility awareness, and and they're really amazing. They've got good programs and articles and all kinds of good stuff to kind of get you going as well. It's funny you bring them up because I I, I I'm like a little woo or a lot woo, and I was talking to a psychic one time, and she said, "What I see for you in your business is like you will end up like." You know, have you ever heard of the red tent, you know, where all these women come together and they like, you know, um, you know, they commune. She's like, I see you like having something like that, you know, maybe not the same thing. And I was just like, that's so funny that you just mentioned the red tent. <laughs> and I was like, that's very serendipity there. And I will link up um, their information in the show notes so that people can you know, go and visit that as well as yours. So everybody can get connected and, you know, get the information if they're struggling and and be aware. I mean, the worst, uh, the worst thing that could happen is you have a little more information in your brain. Um, Maybe it's not something that you decide to go with, but I feel like these conversations and part of the thing with the podcast is I want to have those difficult conversations that people don't want to talk about. Like nobody wants to talk about their period. Like, (laughs) you know, those kind of things that nobody wants to talk about, but it needs to be talked about because because, you know, we're as women, a lot, many of us are struggling with these uh, symptoms that we're just being told by our doctors. Oh, you don't have anything that, you know, you're not showing anything. Like they said to me, you're really ha- help- healthy. Like they tested my hormones. They had me come in m- on multiple days to have it tested. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're super healthy. And I'm like, that does not make sense. 
is I don't feel like okay. Like, and that's not okay. Um, and like PCOS, like that's not something people talk about. That's what they thought I had when I went in and mm. they tested me for it and stuff. And she's like, no, you're fine. And I was just like, but there's a problem. And that's something that people don't, they don't talk about. You don't talk about these, these, um, struggles that women are having. Um, and nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And, and so that's why I'm so happy that you're on the podcast, Robin, and sharing this with us. And you know what? I've, you know, I'm not going to ask the final five questions because I want to keep having this conversation. Um, and I, I want to stick to like the, you know, 45 minutes that I normally do the podcast. So I'm, um, we're going to keep having this conversation and we'll just wrap it up with like a final question for you. Um, so what is like, what is something that you want women to know when it comes to their hormones? You know, where, where should they start? If they're like, I'm, I'm Robin, I'm hearing all of this, like all of this stuff is like pointing to me. I don't know where to start. You know, where, where would be their first step? What would you recommend they do? Uh, first step is kind of a two parter. So I would say definitely go to your doctor. They might tell you some crap. They might give you birth control. They might do labs. They might not. And they might tell you something that is totally not aligned with the way you're thinking in terms of trying to manage your health naturally. However, it's really important to go there just in case they decide to do any testing, just in case you might get a diagnosis of something that might be hiding in there. Um, so definitely start there. You know, there is a place for, for traditional medical doctors, and, and I absolutely think you should utilize that. And the second piece of this is tracking. Um, so obviously you may be experiencing a lot of symptoms in your life, from fatigue to, you know, sore boobs before your period. Oh, to <laughs> Yeah, to mood ups and downs, to the heavy flow, the painful periods, you know, weird weight gain, um, hair loss, acne, you know, any of these things. Um, but you don't, might not know if they're connected to your hormones. So the way to track it and see what's connected where is to get an app or a little journal, a little notebook, you know, whatever is easiest for you and track your symptoms on a daily basis along with the day you are in your cycle. So cycle day one, just for your information, is the first day of menstrual bleeding. And your cycle continues until your next day one when your flow starts again. And so keep track of your cycle day and how you're feeling. Make note of any weird events, like if you're traveling, that might affect how you're feeling. If you're going through a particularly stressful event in your life, if you ate really crappy that week, you know, whatever, along with your symptoms. And after a couple months of doing this or a couple of cycles of doing this, you'll start to notice patterns and you'll say, oh, so a week before my period, my boobs get sore. And so that's probably a hormonal thing because that's that PMS time and you can kind of start to decode these things a little bit. And if you do end up seeing some kind of alternative holistic practitioner, they'll be able to make better recommendations for you as well based on the timing of your symptoms. Yes, I didn't even know the boob soreness, although I didn't have it. Like I said before, my twins, I didn't have it, but I've had it ever since. The week before, and it's bad too. Like sometimes I'm working out and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm pregnant again. Like this is not I didn't even realize that was part of like um, attached to hormones, but it makes total sense that it would be. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's like a lot of those symptoms that we just, like I said, you know, people say, oh, it's normal. Oh, I experienced that too. Yeah, it's normal. It's, but I mean, what is, what is normal really? And I'm glad that we're having this conversation so people can see like, this is not, this is not normal. Like, this is not how we're supposed to feel. We're not supposed to be suffering. Our bodies are naturally supposed to be able to do what it's, you know, 
heal and take care of itself and function at a normal level, we're not supposed to be in pain. Yeah. And I did want to mention too, you know, talking about how we might feel worse kind of before or during our period, even when your, your cycles are healthy, your hormones are healthy, you know, your body is healthy because as women, we have these ebbs and flows throughout our cycle. There will always be times when you feel more positive, optimistic, energetic, you know, ready to take on the world versus other days where you feel like you are more introspective. You, you don't want to socialize. You want to spend more time by yourself. You want to spend more time resting. And that's, that is normal. Okay. When it's extreme, that is not normal. Um, and, and a really key thing is to live in these ebbs and flows. So you know your period's coming your hormones are healthy, but you still know you're going to feel, you know, a little bit more tired. So maybe you don't make as many plans or maybe, you know, you don't work as much or, you know, you take time to have, you know, an extra hour of sleep at night or, or various little things like that. Don't hate on your body for this. That's normal, you know, to have these ebbs and flows to a certain extent and, and working with your body instead of resisting these things and hating on it and saying, you know, who knows what negative self-talk, right? It's just going to, um, kind of go the opposite way of what you're trying to do. I love that you're saying that because I actually read an article one time where they were recommending like, ladies, if you're, if it's that time of the month, you need to really take some time for yourself and to relax and in really focus on self care, because this is not the time of the month that you need to be going, go, 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 go. Exactly, exactly. And once you track your cycles, and you kind of know when these times are approaching, you can change your schedule based on that you can change what you're eating, how you're exercising, who you're seeing all of these things. And you'll find that life becomes a lot easier when you do that. So wrapping up the podcast, if there was one thing that you could leave my audience with, when it comes to their hormones, what would you want to know? What is the one thing if this is like, you couldn't tell them anything else, but this is like the one thing. What would you want them to know? Mm, it's always so hard to choose just one thing. I know. Let's see. <laughs> like I could just go like diet wise. I think the, the biggest thing would be um, take control of this yourself. Um, whether that's starting with diet, like some of the suggestions we talked about, whether that's going to your doctor and finding out more information, take control empower yourself because you are your only advocate. You are the only person who's going to get you from where you are right this minute in whatever crappy state you're in to where you want to be. And it's really your decision, your choice. So, so remember that and empower yourself and take that first step. And if they want help with this, they can reach out to you, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned my website before, thehormonediva.com. And if women are curious about what hormones might be out of balance specifically for them, they can check out my hormone imbalance quiz as well, um, which is thehormonediva.com forward slash happy dash hormones dash quiz. And it'll give you some videos and good stuff and give you kind of some hormones that might be out of balance, a good place to start. That is amazing. Yes, because I feel like there's so many women that are listening that are probably like, yes, um, okay, where do I go to get some help with this? Because I'm totally out of balance. And um, I know one question that they're probably thinking, because I was thinking it too. Now, do you accept insurance payments, Robin? Or is it like, how does that work? 
Insurance is hit and miss. Okay. Um, so I'm registered with an organization that's actually working to get my particular services accepted by more companies. In the U.S., I really couldn't say. Okay. If you're Canadian and listening to this, I know that Manulife and Green Shield, many plans have been accepting under nutritional counseling. So how would somebody be able to find out if their insurance covered your services? They would want to contact their own insurance company. So you might have like a little booklet of what your plan is, but mm -hmm. if you're still not sure, call them and, and ask. Um, but contact me first if you want so that I can provide you with my you know, license numbers and all of that good stuff. Um, and I also have available for anyone who wants a, a letter that you can send to your insurance company to try and get them to accept it as well. That's fantastic. Yeah, it makes me wonder if my insurance would cover it or not, too, because my my husband's in the, uh, the uh, United States Navy. So uh, I don't know how much they cover, but I know that mm -hmm. they cover some things that I, I wasn't even aware of. And the worst that could happen is they say no. And then they, you know, they can contact you and you guys can work something out and, you know, figure out how they can be able to, you know, have you as a part of their life because this is something I think is super important and I've been leaning more towards the holistic um, aspect of health healthcare lately because of the fact that every time I go see my doctor they just want to give me a new pill like mm. or something new and I'm like no no I, I know there's a problem we need to fix the problem we need to fix what's going on with me um, because mm -hmm. I'm even somebody that struggles with depression and that's something I've struggled with my entire life um, and they were willing to like, hey, what medication would you like? Like, we have this, mm. this, and this, this. And I'm like, no, like, can you help me? <laughs> like, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be on a medication my entire life to struggle with this. And I feel like that's a, it's the easy and quick fix, you know, like, let's cover up the symptom because this will help you with that symptom, but not like what's going on with your entire body. Right. Yes, definitely. The approach of addressing root causes is my favorite for sure, rather than those kind of Band-Aid medications, because once you stop taking them, guess what's going to happen? Okay. Everything's going to come back. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and then some usually. <laughs> no, exactly. I love it. And then I knew we had a woman on the podcast that has um, it's already aired or it will have already aired by the time people hear this. Don Metter and she has a heart or a lung condition that affects her heart and she's like I'm on like 10 different medications and this one um helps with that one's side effects and this one yeah. and I'm like that's just it's sad that we have gotten to that yeah mm -hmm. so crazy well thank you Robin so much for reaching out applying to the podcast and coming on this has probably been more helpful to me than anybody else because <laughs> I was just like Yes, let's talk about my hormones. I know they've got to be out of whack. Um, and I know I'll definitely be reaching out with you to you in the near future to see, you know, how I can get you to help me and figure it all out. Because, you know, if I go to my doctor one more time, they're like, yeah, let's put you on birth control. I'm like, I'm yeah. going to hurt somebody here. This is not <laughs> happening. Like, I've got, I got my tubes tied for a reason because I am so flaky. I'd forget. I'd forget birth control. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh, pill, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yes robin thank you again for coming on and having this really open and honest conversation with me oh thanks so much for having me i had a great time thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the inspired women podcast don't forget to subscribe share this out with your friends and family and join us in the inspired women community on facebook i'll catch you next week